Welcome to the Diary of a Change Manager, the podcast that makes change management easy. So today I'm talking to Gareth Evans. Welcome, Gareth. Hi, Sam. Today we're talking about a subject that is really close to our heart, the informed team. So it's people in change management. So, Gareth, do you want to introduce yourself and kick off? Yeah, sure. So, I'm Gareth Evans. Uh, I work in the informed team. I've been there for about three years now as a change lead, uh, working for a couple of different departments, uh, government departments, yeah. on major change programme, big transformative programme. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's kick off then. Let's talk about people in change, Gareth. So, have you got what you know? What what do you think are the key, the key components? What makes it yeah. so important? Yeah, I think it's really important to first of all understand the people that you're going to be changing for. Yeah, and not just the company, but actually individuals themselves. Mm-hmm. You've got to involve them in the process. There's no point in trying to do it from a, an ivory tower. You've got to get them yeah. involved, very close to them. Um, and then there's preparing the people for the change. How do you do that? How do you sell the story to them? And then ultimately getting them involved in the the future. So how do you exploit the investment of any change program to the best best you can? Yeah. Okay. So understanding your people, I mean, it's a very commonly used term, isn't it? So most people think about stakeholder analysis. Is that what we're talking about here? That's where we start. Uh, it's a useful tool, but I think it can be a little bit reductive in, mm. in sometimes. Uh, yeah. There's lots of things you do, your stakeholder map, you do a bit of analysis, you think, right, the people that are affected think, feel and do. What do we want people to, to respond? How do we want the people to respond to us? But ultimately, I think a lot of the stakeholder management at the start is very much sort of driven towards the influencers, the decision makers, so by name. So we, we talk about those individuals as specific people people get very excited about that, particularly project managers and the like. And ultimately, that, that's fine. Uh, but those people get well served by reports and governance structures and stuff like that. And when you look at the stakeholder analysis, you get down to maybe two or three lines at the bottom that said user group one, user group two. And it's just a remorseless group. Yeah, It doesn't really talk about the person. And we've really got to understand what the motivations of the people what is it that we're going to do that's going to make a difference to them? Yeah. And I think if we think of individuals as customers rather than just as a group, then we can sort of think the way we can change the way that we think about how we need to engage with them. Yeah. Now that really makes sense, Gareth. So, so how do you how do you unpick that? I think if you if you, you understand Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which again, yep, yep. generals about psychology, psychological sort of construct where basic needs about food, shelter, security, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then it's about the psychological belonging, uh, being part of a group, uh, having some recognition. Then ultimately it's about self-actualization, being the best you can, yeah. doing things beyond just the norm. We, we can actually use that in an employer's or employee's world as well. So if you think about uh, why people go to work, uh, first of all, they go to get a job to get some money to, to support their there's Maslow's basic needs of food, shelter, yep. and water. Yep, yep. The next bit is about the social belonging. Um, because I think if it, you know what it's like. You go to work, or you go to a new contract, you pick up a new uh, client, you come back from your first day. The first question somebody asks is, mm. isn't, what's the job? What are you yeah. doing? What are yeah. people like? Yeah. yeah. That's the bit. Yeah. The people are other people like. So yeah. important. Yeah. That tells you about the culture, it tells you how they're working. Um, how they work as a team, yeah. but also you can get a sense of their purpose. Mm. Uh, what is it that's driving them? Mm. And that also then 
goes back to the company. So why is the company there? You'd understand is the company about serving uh, the community, is about saving lives, is about selling more product. Yeah. And that will give you a sense of why people are going to work and what makes them tick. Yeah. But that's still just at the basic level. So you've got that. But then again, people are looking for employers, particularly nowadays, uh, to provide good training, good development. Yeah. Uh, the right tools for the job as well. So the right hardware, the right software, good applications, a system that works. When you turn it on, the computer is going to work. You'll get to where you want to get to. And then finally, people think that's fine. I can do my job really well. But what's going to make me stand out? And people like to help. They want to get involved. They want to be listened to. They want to influence. Yeah. And that's where if you go back to the, the Maslow's hierarchy, that's that self-actualization at work. Yeah. How do I get respect and recognition for the additional work that I do yeah so so I think that's really interesting and it, it's a bit theoretical so you know how do you use that construct if you like in actually designing your change plan yeah. how does that how does it all come together yeah I think there's two elements of, of that construct that work what is the the purpose and that sense of belonging so yeah. what is it that that gets people up in the morning to keep going back to work what is it that really motivates them what's the the, the better the better organisation that they're there for. And the other thing is, how do you get recognised? How do we involve them? Um, so those are the two elements which I would then use to start to inform a change plan um, about how we get the people closer to the project. Yeah. And so I, I guess what I'm interested in now is is thinking about, does that apply to the large transformative programmes that we've been talking about, or does that apply to smaller projects as well? I mean... Does, does it apply almost universally? It does. I, I think it does. I mean, obviously, the, the more resources are and the longer you've got, the more you can start to bring people in and involve them. Sure. But uh, there are other ways to try and get the, the user's voice inside, so again, that customer voice. Right. And I think as change managers, we need to be the, the voice of the customer, always listening, always looking out for that. Mm. Because what we want them to do is to, to help us shape the, the solutions. So I think the whole idea is, as well as the Maslow's element, that, that construct, if we start looking at how people operate, so we bring on other data into the thought. So we can look at behavioural data, we can look at maybe some employee satisfaction, and look at their attitudinal stuff, yeah. and then look at some of the performance as well. That gives us the whole round then. So we understand why the project's there, what it's trying to address. Yeah. We can look at some of the metrics that we might be trying to influence, and we can see how people are engaging with the organisation on a cultural level. And then we can say, right, now we understand mm. all those aspects. Mm. Okay, we've now got enough to then start testing something out in the, in the real world. Yeah. So how do we do that? How do we get people involved? Yeah. Well, I think it's, I mean, the old term was sort of, particularly as a marketing perspective, be a focus group. Yeah. We, we prefer to talk about working groups. Yes. Uh, and I think the Japanese industry used to have working circles mm. and things like that. And that was all about... Uh, improving management agile approaches to getting to better and better performance in a, in a, mm. in a workspace. We're no different from that. Yeah. Uh, and I think as change managers, we go into a project and there's lots of different components of a project, but we're, we're somebody who can knit all that together. Yeah. And we can do that by really getting into the, the heads of the, of the users. So by having focus groups, we can get them to help us design the solution identify problems and look at where we can we can do things better yeah so so that's again that sounds really that sounds great how do we know that 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 those um 
those insights that we've gained when we when we're doing those sessions, when we're running with those focus groups, how do we know they're going to work? I suppose you never do until you hit there. But the the risk of not doing it with the user is you can develop an idea in an ivory tower. Yeah, um, yeah. And you could just try and impose it, but that could end up being quite a misfit mm. and putting a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. You've got much more chance of getting something to be successful mm. if, it's, if it's led by the users. Yeah. Um, for two reasons. A, one is they know how things work and what's going to work. And if it, if it works in the in your working groups and they've tested it and kicked the tires and all the rest of it, it's more likely to work in the real world. Yeah. But also it means that they're speaking on behalf of lots of people. Yeah. So even if you're working in a multinational company or an organisation with hundreds of thousands of people, yeah. uh, you could get a representative sample to look at different elements mm. and make sure you've got as many views as possible to say, like, this is going to work for us. Yeah. This is what yeah. So, you know, I've heard it said that change managers are just getting all the users, all the people to do their work for them. Do you think that's true? I think we need to. That's part of our job. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely critical uh, because, again, we could be just another person writing things on a on a spreadsheet or on a PowerPoint and just saying that's the solution. But without going out there and finding out, we won't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think I think you're absolutely right mm. there. We won't know, will we? No. How on earth are we going to know? Yeah. So can you give us any examples where, you know, you've had to actually get out there and meet with the people and, you know, what, what kind of insights is that being able to give into a programme? Some real-life examples would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's an example one time where, before and before, but again, it was a change program. So it was looking at a health and safety program for a large construction company. Yeah, uh, they've been having some problems with their their performance. It wasn't going as well as they wanted to, and there was there was a an opportunity to, to change what was going on. So had a number of focus groups uh, with some supervisors and some operators in the company. Went on an onboarding process to find out what the system was like, the yeah. messaging, and all the rest of it. Mm. And in the focus groups, I think the important thing is not to come with your solution at first and say, like, what do you think of that? Great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or I, I lead the witness. Yeah. First thing is just ask them about their job. Mm-hmm. What do you like about your job? What's yeah. going well? What's yeah, going yeah. wrong? Yeah. And it's interesting, for the first hour, people were just venting this, that, and the other about it. <laughs> Imagine the construction company. Yeah, what the Choice language. But after a while, you started to get a bit of insight, a bit of trust and... Yes, the trust between between yourself. Mm. And we were able to then use some of the insights with there to sell back to the senior management team. So this is right. us as change managers talking to you. This is your yeah, own yeah. staff. This is what they think is going on. Yeah. And at the back of that, we identified that um, some of the managers weren't behaving the way that they were telling their staff to do so. So there was a disconnect between the management speak and the management uh, Actions, nope, never good. There was also a disconnect and the way that people were treated was not in a respectful way. Um, and it was very much top-down adult-child kind of transaction rather than a, or parent-child transaction rather than adult-to-adult. And so by having all those insights, we were able to turn the message around, uh, make it a much more positive thing, give it an air of personal responsibility, but also mutual respect, mutual trust. Yeah, yeah. So that everybody followed the rules, not just the people that were told to follow the rules yeah. and turn it into a positive story. And the performance yeah. when we delivered that was so much better. Yeah. And partly because we used the peer stories. So mm. we, we used quotes from the peers. We got them to actually front the message as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was very clear for people receiving this change message that 
this was designed by people just like them. Yeah. So much more chat. So you've used those insights then to shape the solution. Absolutely. And also to shape the narrative from the sounds of it. Absolutely, yes. Because, uh, again, the narrative has got two elements of the, the purpose of the organisation. So you should never throw that out. There's a reason why somebody wants to change something in their, their organisation, whether it's a health and safety programme, a new IT system, yeah. uh, a team's collaboration type of thing. Yeah. There's always a reason for that, and that should never be forgotten about because that's the benefit. That's where you want to get to. But you've also got to understand from a user perspective how that's going to tap into their social needs. How's that going to help them mm. deal better with their their peers? How is it going to be, be, better them in their, their career yeah. so they can be recognised? Yeah, yeah. But as another example for a, for a large retail organisation that was mm-hmm. looking to change its way of working, its systems for its for its. Uh, for his branch network. And again, there was a disconnect there with the culture. Right. Um, so again, there was a great desire to to move things forward and everybody can see the benefits of doing that. But there was a lack of trust and a, a lack of connection, really. So again, talking to people, understanding the performance data, you could identify where there were some some issues. Um, so rather than going gung-ho into just trying to just push something in, let's try and address some of those fundamental issues first. So as a change program, what you don't want to do is just to replace one thing with the other and in the end it all goes back to how it was. Yeah. And you've not made the benefit of the, the big investment. So maybe that you either have to just take stock for a bit, do a little bit of preparation before the big change program, mm. or you give a, you refine the support package that you give to different people. So you can you can tailor the support and the approach that you take depending on the insights that you've gained. Yeah. It's an interesting one, that one. I think I know the program that you're talking about. And I think one of the one of the key takeaways from that was as a change team to be there quite early, quite early on in the development of the solution, because um, had that not happened, I'm not sure that we would have understood what all of those preparations might have needed to be. So do you think that's a key component for success, Gareth, being there really at the very, very conception of a program? Ideally. Uh, it's often not the case. No, first, absolutely. Uh, first comes the business case, and, yeah. then that, and then the financial case, and then they set up an I. You'd set up your IT team, your solution design. You'd get your solution architects, your business process analysts. Yeah, they do some work. Then go. Oh, hang on, we've got some people. They've got. Yeah, they've got. Oh, Chad, is they come and come and do that? Can't they? We've got three months. Yes, push that in. It's never going to work. You've got to do the best you can, obviously. But the sooner yeah. you get in, the better. Because a, as I've said, you can try and the best. Build the world from the centre. You can come up with a good idea, but until it hits the, the actual coal face, you won't know what's going on. So the sooner you can get those insights, sooner you can then start to adapting your program, um, your solution to to fit the culture. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to try and move the culture a bit, but you've got to fit with it. You can't change that overnight. No. Change can can help. Obviously, that's that's why change is there is to try and move things forward. Companies yeah. do change. They evolve. They they go from a, they end up in Z and be yeah. a completely different yeah. uh, organisation. But it has to be an incremental approach, I think. And so as change can get in there as early as possible, that's good. And I think for transformative programmes, obviously the earlier you are, the better, because it's going to be a, a, a big change. But even the, for the smaller change programmes, the sooner you can get in there, bring the users in there and show them that they're involved, mm. that that incrementally 
improves a relationship. So next time you come out with a change, people are receptive to that. Yeah. Uh, less resistant and more likely it's going to succeed. Yeah. So the next one will be more likely to see, yeah. succeed as well. Yeah. No, I think that's all really sound advice. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about understanding our users or our people. We've mm-hmm. talked about um, involving our people and we've started, we've talked about preparing for that change. What comes next? Well, in any change program, the the biggest relief uh, for the project team is yeah. the event day or D day or whatever. Yeah, we we delivered it. We got there, didn't get any too many call too many yeah. calls. Yeah, but that's actually when things start. Yeah. Uh, but I think when I used to work in marketing, it was like you you would have months or years developing a new product. You'd come up with some focus groups there. You'd come up with a, a new branding campaign, get the advertising sorted out, buy your channels, get your advertising out. And then that's when it actually starts. That's yeah. the first day the customer sees it. Yeah. That's the yeah. first time the sales guys are out there speaking, the customer uh, support are taking the calls. Yeah. That's yeah. when it actually starts. Yeah. So, so that change is no different. Exactly. So you that's... deliver it, and that's when it happens. That's when service management kicks in. Mm-hmm. You find out have we got any issues or not. And so, I think it's important to get exploit the investment you made in your change program, whether mm-hmm. it's an IT program or some other one. Yeah. And so I would suggest you actually double down. So rather than saying, thanks very much for the working group, you've all done now, we've done, it's actually come closer. What, what went well? What didn't go so well? Yeah. Um, could we have done things better? Mm. Because the next stage is, the next day is some new joiner is going to come in and they're going to get in the, the training and the new systems or whatever. Yeah. So again, you want to make sure that it lands better the next time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also the people who have been involved They'll come up with new ideas to take it to the next stage. So they'll come up with um, new ways of doing things, maybe a, a, a new widget or something that could help them do it even better. And that ultimately will then be your change program being designed by the users rather than by imposed from externally. Mm. And that's where you want to get to. You want to get the people who are using it coming up with the ideas and informing the, the improvements. Yeah. Because again, it's more likely to succeed than it has been imposed from the outside. I think change nowadays, it's not really that sort of one and done anymore, is it? It's about iterative, continuous improvement. And I think the approach that you're talking about there is really going to um, support that development and support that continuous improvement within the organisation. Yes, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 So give us some more examples, Kara. More examples? There, there, are, oh, there are many. I think organisational change is an interesting one. Yeah. So, again, I've talked about some companies move from A to Z. So as they go through that process, they evolve from being one thing to being something else. Mm. Um, So it may be that they're they're providing services, then they start to buy in services. So then they become a body that uh, can be representative of what they're trying to do, but they buy services in. So if they're going through that change, then what, what's happening there? And I've seen this happen, is that the people who are doing all the training or the people who are doing all the, sort of the booking for, for, for training courses, they're not required anymore. So yeah. there's people move out. Yeah, yeah. And what's important is that you, you recognise that they were part of the story. Yeah. So you recognise them for what they've done, they thank you for what they've done, and that they are your alumni. Mm-hmm. They'll go out and they'll hopefully take the things that you've taught them elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. But they should never be part of, they should never be forgotten because yeah. the next pe- the people who are then moving out on next will be the, the next part of that journey. Mm. So the organisational change is still about people. And even yeah. though the people might change and the evolution of the company might seem a bit odd, mm. it's all part of the same story. Yeah. And uh, that, that, that's important. Again, that's where people 
start completely at the art ball. Yeah, because I, I guess a, a company is just a collection of people, isn't it? Absolutely. All work into a common purpose. Yes. Yeah. Totally. So, so that works really well. Mm -hmm. So do you want to sum up then, Gareth? What what do you think are the key components then? What, why is it so important to yeah. involve our people in change? Well, I think people, as you said, people are the heart of the company. And mm -hmm. that's what it's about. Like people have a choice. They can either choose willingly to embrace change or to go along unwillingly and there's a resistance and stuff like that. Yeah. People have a skin in the game for both the change but also for the organisation. And ultimately, they want to do a good job. Yeah. So the more that we can provide them with the right tools and the platform from which to do that, then the more likely they are to succeed and to get where they want to in their careers. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned resistance just now, Gareth. Can we sort of circle back and just have a little think about resistance and how that how that impacts a change program and, and what you can perhaps do to try and avoid the resistance in the first place? Yeah, yeah, of course. But I think one of the things you can bring people closer to you. Mm. Um, so again, if you're hearing some voices, <laughs> bring them into the room, yeah. understand what, what the motivations are, what their challenges are. Like, yeah. Maybe there's something in the existing world that's not working for them. Yeah. And it may be that the, the change is going to help them yeah. with that. And they're but, often important voices, those voices, aren't they? They they raise issues that otherwise just don't get surfaced. Yeah, absolutely. And they do make the biggest noise. It's like yeah. anything. You know, in social media, you always hear the bad stories, you hear the good stories. <laughs> so it's the same same in the, that instance as well. Yeah. In most companies, though, probably 4% of people will be the advocates, so the real sort of um, pioneers that will go out yeah. there and embrace any changes, give it to me, the early adopters. They'll go and do it and they'll plant the flag and other people go, oh, help me as well. I'll go along as well with it. Yeah. And then you get 2% who will always be holding it, holding back. Maybe not trying to undermine it, but just being a little bit slow, slow to join in. So again, if you can get that voice, understand what it is again about that, the motivations, sell the benefits as much as you can and push that along in your narrative and in the sort of support guides, that's fine. But you also need change champions. So it's maybe talked about in previous conversations as well. I think that was with Jack, actually, we talked yeah. about champions. But it's yeah. really important, particularly on a, in a large organisation where the communication and the, the team that are trying to take the message out there and the training teams can only get so far. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the tentacles are so far and widely spread. You need people everywhere mm. to be supported by, by a local person. So if you can get somebody in their peer group uh, to help get over the, the humps and the, the bumps in, in a normal change programme, then that would be a real real help as well. Yeah. Uh, because then they're talking to somebody just like themselves. Yeah. And then ultimately, there may be some people who just don't want to, to come along. But that's part of the cultural change. If the culture changes, people might not feel they fit anymore. That, that's, that's acceptable. It, it is an outcome for some people when there's these large large-scale transformation programs yeah. that it's ready for them to, to yeah. perhaps move into a, a different yeah. a different organisation. Yeah. But hopefully for the things that we're looking at, IT sort of transformations yeah. and team yeah. collaborations and all those sorts of good ways of improving the way people work, that will help enhance that social connection. And then maybe that's why people are resistant because yeah. there's, there's something not quite right in the way that they're working and what we're delivering might actually address that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I couldn't agree more, Gareth. So thank you so much. It's been great talking to you today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the chance. Thanks for joining us on this episode. You can catch our other expert talks and useful change resources by visiting theinformedteam.com slash podcast. Until next time.